0: Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K-O-R results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today, I have a guest. Her name is Gina Abadante. And Gina often says that, you know, being a therapist actually chose her. So from a young age, she was always an empathic observer, seeing and feeling things that other people seemingly didn't. Um, she began her education at Ryder University with a bachelor's in psychology and a concentration in cognitive neuroscience. Uh, She went on to obtain her master's of social work from Rutgers University in 2009 and completed her clinical licensure in 2012. Her specialty and passion is actually treating anxiety disorders and OCD, particularly in pregnancy and postpartum. She is trained in exposure and response prevention, acceptance and commitment therapy, inference based CBT and mindfulness based stress reduction, as well as equine assisted psychotherapy. In addition, Gina owns and operates Change of Mind Counseling Services. It's a multi-specialty group practice in New Jersey and provides clinical supervision for new clinicians entering the field. Welcome to the show, Gina. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So first of all, I love that you're trained in all of these um, evidence-based treatment modalities, but... One, I have to. I know right before we even started recording, I I, I got curious. So I, I'm sure maybe listen, excuse me, listeners want to know. But equine assisted psychotherapy, can you tell me a little bit about that? How did you get into that?
1: Did yeah, you use course. it for
0: anxiety or like, yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: So um, I have been horseback riding since I was little. I think I was five when I took my first lesson, and I horses are just a passion of mine. They're just they're such an amazing thing. Um, so when I was in grad school in 2007, I guess, um, I learned that there was this, um, this therapeutic modality that was incorporating horses. And I was like, I have to learn about that. Like, it's just so right up my alley. Um, so I got trained by EGALA, which stands for Equine Assisted Growth and Learning, Um, And it's a lot of people, when they think of equine assisted therapy, they think of therapeutic riding, which is um, more like physical therapy on horseback, um, where equine assisted psychotherapy, or EAP for short, is uh, therapeutic activities that you do with the horse, but it's all done on the ground. Um, And horses are these amazing biofeedback machines, basically. So. They are fight or flight animals. That's what they operate out of. And they're able to reflect back our emotions and things that sometimes we're not even quite tapped into um, in a way that's much better than another human would be able to do. Um, So an example of an activity that we would do is something called equine billiards, where I would put, um, I'd set up the arena kind of like a pool table where there's pockets and then Each pocket has a, um, like a a point value and you tell the participants that you want, their only goal is to get the horse into each of the pockets and get a total of 15 points or however many points you, you want to do, but there's some rules and stipulations. They cannot talk to the horse. They can't touch the horse and they can't bribe the horse. Mm. So it's all about thinking creatively. It's about handling frustration. It's about seeing how people, you know, how they work through things. If it's with a team or uh, a family, how they work together to overcome obstacles. And then we watch how the horse interacts with the human. um, And we see if there's any parallels or big shifts in the horse's behavior that's out of the norm for them. So it's just a really, really amazing modality and, yeah, it's just very, it's very fun to watch. It's very fun to do. It's out of the box. So some people that don't really love the vulnerability of talk therapy, um, they can do equine assisted and it's a totally different experience for them. So it's its very cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking, honestly, the word that comes to mind is intuition, right? It's like, it's, mm-hmm. like, t- it's like you're bypassing that part of the brain for language and words and going right into having to really feel and connect. I mean, you have to be really present to be right there with such a being in this. I mean, yeah, it just sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. And there are some offshoots to it now. So there's equine assisted EMDR um, where they're doing, you know, EMDR with kind of having the horse as a grounding device for the um, clients. So there's just all these different ways to kind of fold in horses to, you know, therapy. Um it's it's amazing. I'm I'm so I'm so excited to see where it goes. That's pretty
0: awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and can I ask just as an offshoot is this something that you use in general kind of anxiety disorders or with OCD or or do you Yeah, absolutely. So I have used
1: <clears throat> the EAP with Pretty much a lot of different um, diagnoses. I mean, now I specialize in anxiety disorders and OCD, and I will use the horses as needed. Um, So generally, you know, if we have someone that's really struggling with maybe perfectionism, horses are an amazing tool to challenge your perfectionism because can tell you with dealing with a thousand pound animal, it's not going to go the way you want it to. That's right. So <laughs> it's, it's really a great way to kind of challenge some of that rigid thinking and, you know, being able to get to an end result where you meet the, the quote unquote, like uh, criteria to um, be done with something, but maybe it's not the way you had envisioned in your mind. Um, so it's really, it's pretty great. And I have used the horses in a lot of different ways, clients that have um, OCD, you know, a lot of different, you know, some with exposure work, being around the animals, being in the barnyard area. Um, And I've had them actually working directly with the horses, you know, with some clients that have, you know, harm obsessions and um, bestiality obsessions and things like that. So yeah, I like to try to just think a little like experientially, because I think that's how we as humans learn best anyway. Um, So anything that I think, you know, works for people, I'm willing to give a go.
0: I love it. Honestly, this is so creative and definitely outside the box. And I mean, I just, I love when I talk to fellow practitioners, um, Yeah. Just when you're bringing in something else that's just your standard kind of protocols. Mm -hmm. So that's like, I'm excited. I'm like, Oh, I want to try this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, let's transition to what I wanted to talk with you about, which is so we know in OCD, I mean, I'm a practitioner with lived experience. You're a practitioner with lived experience, you know, I was excited to talk to you because you're also somebody who is now trained and now knows inference based CBT. I think in the current climate, you know, there's a lot of interesting chatter out there about it. Sure is. Um <laughs> I think you know amongst clinicians there's sometimes divides or confusion or whatever it is. Um I think people in general is, um just folks who are looking for treatment or hearing a little bit more and, also not sure what it is or how it is so i really wanted to talk to you specifically about as a clinician as somebody who has direct lived experience um knowing and you know talking about like if you know you've done erp or act or whatever other treatment modalities before you learned icbt if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit about that journey or a little bit about kind of what the, the difference is and 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 how or how did you make that pivot or understand these different modalities. Um, yeah that would be kind of my first question.
1: Yeah absolutely so I do have lived experience um and I have gone through ERP therapy myself. Um, this is about three years ago or so. That was my last um flare-up that I had of the OCD that was significant. Um, so I did ERP, I did ACT, and I would say, you know, for myself, I have mental health and suicide obsessions. So I had a lot of mental obs- uh, mental compulsions, a lot of them, you know, I had some avoidance, a little bit of reassurance seeking, mostly through Googling, but really it was a lot of mental compulsions. And I did ERP, I think that it helped to get me functional, maybe less exposure because for me, just opening my eyes in the morning was an exposure. So I had to do a lot of response prevention Mm because I was someone that was afraid of my thoughts. So I had to do a lot of response prevention in terms of the mental gymnastics that I would do to try to find um, a resolution to my doubts. So after ERP, I I felt like I was functional enough, but I was still left with a lot of anxiety, a lot of doubts, a lot of why, why this theme, like uh, this came out of nowhere, this particular theme. Um, And I just had still a lot of mental compulsions that it felt like ERP was not quite enough for. Um, And being in the field, I get a lot of exposure to lots of different modalities. So I had done a lot of work with rumination focused ERP. That's Michael Greenberg's work when it first came out. Um, I did a lot of, you know, act, which is, you know, putting my values first and not making decisions and negotiating with the anxiety and fear. And I could do all of that, but I was still just plagued with like these tormenting thoughts and, compulsions and these whys and doubts and all these things. So I guess it was about, I want to say it was maybe 18 months ago, maybe close to two years ago now, where I met this group of other clinicians who also had lived experience. And we just started by meeting together as like a support for one another. Um, And we started doing, uh, I think it was monthly at that point that we were meeting Uh, via zoom and just kind of chatting and being a support and talking about our experiences in the field and what it's like to be a therapist with OCD. And one of the people in the group brought up, had we ever heard of inference based cognitive behavioral therapy? And I think only one other person at the time had and had read the the, uh, manual. So it just piqued my interest. And I started getting I, I bought the manual. I started getting some training. And I have to tell you, at first I was a little resistant because it felt so different. It also felt like it felt like it was going to feed into my rumination. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid that it was going to make me sicker.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was really terrified to get to be like almost non-functional again. So mm-hmm. I was a little resistant to it. And I kind of tabled it and was like, no, I'm just not, we can't do this right now. So it took me a good, probably six months of reading, very slowly getting some more insight from my friends that were using it. And then I found the ICBT Facebook group and I joined there and started getting a little bit more information about it from there. And, Then I started applying a little bit more, a little bit more, and there were just several moments or several times in different uh, modules that I was learning where it really was a big light bulb for me, and it did help to answer some of my doubts, not that it gave me certainty by any means, and I'm certainly not OCD-free, but it just provided a healing in in the way that the just the straight up behavioral therapies couldn't give me. Um, And then I was hooked (laughs) and then I just started reading more and um, I started getting consults directly with Fred and learning this modality just more and more deeply as much as I could doing consults with uh, Carl Robbins as well. And It just took off, and I really started to see the value in this modality. Um, I will say I'm not anti-ERP, and most, if not all, of the ICBT practitioners, we are not anti-ERP, which I think is a little bit of the stigma that's out there right now. Uh, We're inclusive. It's an and. We're both trying to use our modalities as a way to generate response prevention, um, we just, one comes from a behavioral standpoint where ICBT comes more of like a cognitive, a cognitive metacognitive approach.
0: Awesome. Um, and I, um, yeah, I just want to second that. I think what's more important is just being flexible, which is actually one of the values of ACT, right? So flexibility yeah. as a treatment provider. Um, and I'll say for myself too, as I've been learning um, and been dove into ICBT, um, I find that I definitely Depending on the client and the situation, sometimes we need to do an ICBT module. Sometimes we we have to do ERP. Sometimes sure. yeah. we get back to values and mindfulness. So really kind of, you know, being able to move between them, because um, what matters most, of course, is helping the client get better. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, everything you name sounds awesome, but I'm pretty sure that anybody listening right now is going to have a question around like, well, what's the difference? What's the distinction? Like, what are we really talking about here? Um, how is ICBT, you know, how how is it differing from European Act? And I think you kind of touched on it a little bit where, you know, having that fear of like, oh my gosh, is it going to make me ruminate more? Like, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to right. be thinking more, you know, and, and I think that's a common misconception. So since you have direct experience, if you can please tell us a little bit about that distinction and and if you want to share your own experience would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: the major distinction is ERP and ACT, they are what's considered an appraisal-based model, which means that our thoughts are seen as, you know, everybody has intrusive thoughts and what makes them troublesome is that we judge them as a problem. ICBT comes looks at um, intrusive thoughts not necessarily as intrusive, but they're more inference or they're faulty inferences. So we gather all of these uh, pieces of information from the world around us. And they justify a fear or a belief that we probably have had about ourselves or the world around us for a really long time. So it's less about like, oh, I had this weird pop-up thought and that's normal. Everybody has them, which to some extent they do, but it's only a problem because I have judged it a problem and my brain is now hooked on it. Where um, ICBT says, well, yeah, everybody does have some normal uncertainty, but one particular theme will stick because of your past experience and how we gather all of these little pieces of evidence to justify what like a core, a negative core belief or a negative um, uh, feared self-belief that we have about ourselves and have probably had for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, sort of the major distinction Um, the other major distinction is that ERP and behavioral based models rely a lot on exposure to, um, habituate to our fears and our thoughts where ICBT doesn't need any exposure. Um, we do a lot more on resolving the doubt and resolving all of the stuff that of where OCD even originated from for us. Um, so those are sort of like the big distinctions, but ultimately they all sort of come back to the road of creating response prevention. And for me, yeah, it was, like I said, it was really hard in the beginning. I, I wasn't sure that I was jiving with it. And I think, you know, looking back at my own feared self, I was so afraid to be sick and get stuck like that. That I was afraid to try anything outside of the box because I was afraid it would flare up and I wouldn't be able to handle a flare up again. And oh my God, what if I got stuck like that for the rest of my life? And like that whole story, right? But it took me a little while once I got into ICBT to realize like that's your obsessional story. And it's also feeding from your feared self, this feared self of, oh my God, I could be someone who loses her sanity and gets stuck like that for the rest of her life, you know? So that was sort of a turning point for me when I started to realize, oh, this isn't super random. And I was, even after ERP, left with a lot of whys. Why this theme? Why now? Where did this come from? Um, And I don't feel like ERP was able to, the, the stance is like, well, it doesn't matter. Your theme doesn't matter to me, my theme mattered. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It mattered
1: to me that one moment I was totally functional and had no obsessions about my mental health and the possibility of becoming suicidal at some point. And literally in the snap of a fingers, that was all I could think about. So to me, that really mattered. And I did need some clarification on where that came from, where ERP couldn't provide that for me but ICBT could. So I think for me, the melding of the two is absolutely critical. Um, There are definitely times, not even times, all the time that I have to use response prevention if I'm feeling anxious or I'm having a spike. So I'm able to use the ERP response prevention and the values of going toward what's important to me and also using the skills of ICBT to unhook from that obsessional story, see that like, this is OCD. It's following the same thing it has always had. It's not unique. It's got the same story. It's tricking you with the same hooks. Okay. We can let this go and move, move on to something else, you know? Um, and for me that has really, it has really made a big, a big turning point in my own recovery.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I love the way you're framing it. Um, and creating kind of those those different pockets, kind of how to blend them, right? Because at the end of the day, it really is about response prevention. It, it's mm-hmm. it's understanding how OCD brain operates and where it is highly thematic. And there is kind of that, I kind of jokingly say, it's that same kind of cracked out feeling that you get. Uh-huh. It's very familiar. You know what it is. It's, it's literally the same thing every time, a little gut-wrenching, a little, uh, right? Yeah. And you get a little hijacked for a minute. And then what do you do with that, right? And, and I love that, Values, but also now understanding how your mind is actually thinking, Mm -hmm. how it's reasoning, how it's justifying, like you said, um, kind of going into this story, this OCD story of all the stuff that could happen um, and kind of recognizing it for what it is. Um, Yeah,
1: definitely. And I had to recognize that, like, that, oh, no, this is real. That was a trick. It was one of the major tricks for me that would keep me hooked in OCD. This, oh no, this time it's real. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just, it just feels really intense. It's not new. It just feels really intense. And it's trying to trick you, like, oh no, something awful is gonna happen. This is different, you know? But that was just another, another trick of the OCD for me.
0: You know, as you said, that I know, and this will be my last question, but I know anybody listening the number one question i constantly get is but why does it feel so real it just Mm -hmm. feels so real like no i'm having anxiety but no but it's really it's 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 right like it just and people really get stuck on that understandably so somebody with ocd i get it like before i knew any of this stuff it it definitely felt very, very real and like I remember having, like, feeling like I have like a ton of bricks on my shoulders of guilt and anxiety and shame, which is, and I didn't even know that there was such a thing as mental compulsions. And a lot of right. people, I think, no, this is not an uncommon story, right? When you're in it, you think somehow you're different and then you realize, oh yeah, no, I'm not. This is, this right. is, this is just what it is. <laughs> um, but how would you answer that to anybody listening? I would
1: say it does feel real. And if it didn't feel real, you wouldn't have OCD. Because that is the major, you know, we look at, I see OCD as like a magician. It's doing all of these sleight of hands and all these tricks um, because ultimately, and this is a little bit of a different way of looking at it, but ultimately OCD's total and anxiety's total job is to keep us safe. So it's trying to protect us, but it's like the most overprotective, overbearing best friend you have ever had in your entire life. So it is trying to protect us. So it has to make it feel as real and as threatening as possible so that we react and get out of there, you know. But it has gone off the rails when you can't get away from yourself, you know. And that's really what is happening is we can't get out of our own heads. We can't get away from our own brain. That's what's generating all these things. So my answer is always the same it feels that real because you have OCD that if you didn't, if it didn't feel real, you wouldn't have OCD. Um, which for some people, it probably feels like, okay, well, duh, I get that. Um, but it is, and it's, it is a really all encompassing. You feel like your entire brain, your, your senses, your common sense, your perception, your everything gets hijacked just by fear. And it's really intense. It is. And there are ways to work with that and also start to dismantle some of those, those hooks that OCD will pull you back in to try to keep you as safe as
0: possible. Love it. Thank you so much, Gina, for coming on the show. Um, And if anybody wants to find you, learn more about you, can you tell us where, where they can go? Yeah, sure.
1: So if you would like to contact me, You can reach out uh, via my website, which is www.changeofmindcounseling.com. Um, or if you are a practitioner or a, um, a person with OCD and you are looking to work with or pick the brain of a ICBT and ICBT therapist, you can reach out through, um, we have a website called, um, OCD lived experience collective.org. Um, and you can reach out. There's a whole bunch of us on there, and you're welcome to to reach out. There's trainings, and there's also ways to get in touch with therapists that way as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer podcast. If you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com. Backslash contact, backslash. That's core results, K-O-R-R-E-S-U-L-T-S dot com, backslash contact.